And Jesus himself said that he did not come to do away with the law. This is the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast with your hosts, Michael Campbell and Greg Howell. Welcome to the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast. I'm kind of excited about this particular episode because, frankly, I don't get to see the people that I talk to in person very often on these things. And today we've got a really special guest. So, Michael, we are in San Francisco. We are. Outside of our norm, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. American Society of Church History, American Historical Association is having their annual meeting, so it just seemed like a perfect opportunity. Uh, Greg, you're able to come over. You're not that far away, and I'm in town, and we have with us a very special guest uh, who's no stranger to this podcast, Mm -mm. uh, Kevin Burton. And uh, Kevin, welcome to Adventist Pilgrimage. Thank you. It's good to be back. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as we've been going to different sessions, I mean, we should tantalize a little bit our listeners, you know, these these church history and history sessions. There's lots of papers going on. It's it's food for <clears throat> food for intellect, you know, to just rub shoulders, networking, and uh, so I'm just excited that we could get some of our Adventist scholars together and just have uh, some fellowship. And that's a big part of what scholarship is. Is it's really not is. only the the intellectual part, but also just finding out who's doing research out there, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. most so. of the time, I honestly don't know what it's being done until it's been published. Yeah, like right. the whole process, the fun part of it, cutting edge. Yeah, you don't hear about it until it's kind of already been done, mm-hmm. and if you got lucky, you were part of it somewhere other place. So yeah. I'm I'm excited to hear because Kevin's got some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, well, let's introduce you properly. Uh, by the way, one of the things that that I love to ask when we have these paper sessions, people, is where did you find this? What are your sources? <laughs> and and this is really great because I love working with archives. Of, of course, in my role at the at the division with archive statistics and research. And, of course, our premier archive in the denomination is the Center for Adventist Research. Kevin, you're the director? That's what they tell me. And recently (laughs) also uh, has defended his doctoral dissertation. Congratulations. Thank you. And, Greg, you did as well. I was say, within within a couple weeks of each other. Yeah, it was very close. (laughs) So so newly minted uh, PhDs here as well as in Kevin. Um, has done his work on abolitionism and social reform and some of these things in the 19th century. So That's right. And how, we're it connects with, yeah, how it connects with apocalypticism, which is kind of fun. Part and of our cool. Adventist story. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And so, uh, Kevin, you're no stranger, but uh, to this podcast, you love Adventist history. Uh, this is your passion, and I just really admire that about you. And um, one of the things that uh, we have the... Uh, opportunity to talk about uh, the last time I was at the Center for Adventist Research CAR, as we say, um, a couple months ago, is I stopped by your office, and I always love to see what treasures, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, the car is just full of treasures that uh, I could see a glow on your face because you had acquired over the last year or two some very special new acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And and so I already see a grin on your face because uh, I know that this just makes you happy when, oh, yeah. when you find. And it had something to do with this character, Joseph Wolf. That's right. Who is this Joseph Wolf guy? Joseph Wolf uh, was born in 1795 and he died in 1862. Mm-hmm. So he's a contemporary of William Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, in uh, a lot of ways, very much like him. Okay. Um, but he is different 
very much too. So okay. where they're similar is that they are both into studying Daniel and Revelation, sure. and they both come up with this idea independently mm-hmm. um, that uh, Jesus is going to return soon mm-hmm. in person, mm-hmm. in the flesh, mm-hmm. um, and they both set dates. Yeah. And you might be familiar, if you're listening, uh, that William Miller set the date uh, rough time frame of 1843. Uh, it gets adjusted a little bit into 1844. Yeah. He even allowed, though, that it could be as late as 1847. Mm-hmm. And 1847 is the year that Wolf gravitated towards. Sure. And the main reason that they kind of differed is because they weren't quite sure of the sure. years that Christ was on Earth. Uh, and so there was yeah. some discrepancy, even only about four years. Yeah. Um, where they're different, though, <laughs> is uh, their genesis and biography. Mm. Um, yeah, let's talk about that in just a minute, but I want our listeners to know, like, where I first heard, I don't know about you, Greg, I first heard about Joseph Wolf reading the book Great Controversy. Oh, yeah. So later, Ellen White, she'll write about him, actually, almost a whole chapter, mm-hmm. right? That's right. You know? That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of our listeners, if you've never heard Joseph Wolf, just check that out sometime in Great Controversy. Yep. And and so pretty amazing uh, individual that, that but, but now fill us in some of that picture. You sure. said some of that story, this is where he's different, right? Yeah, sure. So Wolf was uh, Wolf was a Jew, mm-hmm. uh, born in Germany, mm-hmm. um, and uh, as a as a young uh, young boy, um, mm-hmm. he's still uh, still I think even a preteen. He he starts to he leaves home and he yeah. goes to um, the Czech what is now the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. um, Prague, and uh, he ends up uh, enrolling or getting into a uh, Catholic uh, convent. Or, mm-hmm. Maybe that's the wrong School term. Kind yeah. Of thing, right? Monastery, yeah, school, monastery yeah. kind of thing. Forgive, right. my, forgive my, forgive my slippage school. of terminology. In any case, um, he's there, and he yeah. will end up converting mm. um, in 1812 and become a Catholic. Right. Um, and he, Christian. Me, yeah, yeah, becomes Christian, but mm-hmm. a Catholic Christian at first. Mm-hmm. And that, that's important because of the details that come later. Yeah. So he ends up uh, impressing uh, uh uh, his his mentors there um, mm-hmm. and uh, ends up going to Rome mm-hmm. um, has an audience at least once or maybe several times knows the Pope personally mm-hmm. um, but then shortly after he's there in Rome mm-hmm. I mean he's not there that long and he's only a Catholic for a few years yeah. he uh, starts to really question the doctrine of infallibility mm-hmm. and so papal infallibility that is and so he ends up not a good thing to do in Rome not a good thing to do in <laughs> Rome and so the Pope the Pope will personally banish him from uh, the city and he will end up leaving from there and go to Great Britain. Mm. And uh, at, it's very shortly after he's there that he will become Anglican. Right. Um, and he will remain Anglican his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets connected with other kinds of, uh, I'll just call them apocalypticists, people right. who are looking for Christ's soon return, mm-hmm. uh, people um, like Louis Way, mm-hmm. uh, Edward Irving, um, and uh, Henry Drummond and others. And, um, and I think Henry Drummond is the reason he goes to England, right? Yeah, I mean, he is. He's yeah. his sponsor. He will mm-hmm. end up being a sponsor and for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get involved in prophetic conferences and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then he starts to uh, get really interested in converting the Jews, mm. which is connected because they so, believe yeah. his, restoration. His family, of, right? <clears throat> that, that and yeah. also these ideas of restoration of Israel kind of stuff. Which were very prevalent in England. Very yeah. prevalent in England, mm-hmm. not among the Millerites. The Millerites didn't really believe that. But, yeah. um, but they did in England. And sure. so... He is sponsored by Drummond, yeah. um, and then he he travels uh, all over the world, mm-hmm. um, over starting starting in the early 1820s. Um, and he so just a little widely. bit of context before you get into the travels. I want yeah. a little bit of context for our listeners because in the 1820s, there's a whole series of revivals of apocalypticism. Yep. You mm-hmm. mentioned these names. Yep. They're actually having conferences. I think they call them the Albury Park conferences right. from mm-hmm. Henry Drummond's estate. Yep. So there's there's it's not it's kind of like a, a movement that's happening in mm-hmm. England. 
and he just happens to be the kind of on on the capstone of all of that. Mm-hmm. By the way, one other thing that's interesting is he sees himself in the line of some of the great Catholic missionaries mm-hmm. who travel, sure. um, and 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 uh, he wants to be a missionary. So this is this connecting point with him and Drummond. Anyways, tell us about some of those travels. Well, I it's it's dizzying. But, yeah. Uh, I guess to prep. We were talking before. Like he's got to be one of the most traveled people in the 19th century. He is, and in order to do that, especially at this time, you need yeah. to understand. Like first of all, they required uh, expertise in language. Right. And so Wolf was a brilliant man. Yeah. He uh, was an accomplished. Uh, he was an accomplished linguist. Linguist in 14 different languages. 14. I've 14. never been able to figure out how many, but yeah, and, and, and an expert in six of them. Wow. Wow. And so he actually says that he preached the gospel in Arabic, mm-hmm. Persian, Syriac, Chaldean, Modern Greek, mm-hmm. Latin, German, English, Italian, and Hebrew. Interesting. Wow. That's phenomenal. Good grief. And yeah. so, but you think about it. Traveling at that time, mm-hmm. there's no Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Duolingo. Yeah. There, there's no, uh, there's not even a whole lot of people that can translate for yeah. you. There, there's not even there's lexicons really, for this thing. Right. You can't even take a book He's really a you. genius when it comes to languages. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he had to, he learned all of that. Mm-hmm. And that enables him to travel widely. And he goes on numerous missionary but, by the way, before you go on the languages thing, one of the things I remember from reading his travels and adventures is is the points made that he earns his tuition doing translation and teaching people different languages. So yeah. this is part of what yep. keeps him going. It's not like he comes mm-hmm. from a super wealthy family, yep. but, but it allows him to actually kind of make a way for himself. Yeah. yeah. Fun facts about him, though. I mean, okay. he had those abilities, but he also lacked some key abilities. Okay. So, for example, Wolf... Huh. Did never he never learned in his entire life how to shave himself. <laughs> so what? he literally relied on other people to shave him his entire life, including people like Edward Irving. Yes. Edward Irving Edward Irving shaved him. Edward Irving shaved Joseph Wolf. I'm sure on multiple occasions. What? But he yeah. tells a hilarious story, doesn't he, he about does. this? Yeah. I mean, I'll give it this. That's a, probably a straight razor. And those are hard. Yeah. They, I've tried that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not easy. It's so, not for the faint at heart, no, right? No, no, that's <laughs> like your jugular, man, and that's yeah. When he first yeah. arrives I, it's, it, at Henry Drummond's home, as I recall, you yeah. tell me if I got the story right, but as I recall, he shows up and doesn't know who Edward Irving is and asks for a barber to shave. And Edward <laughs> Irving himself, the great preacher, yes. comes oh, in and word. does that. And then he says, or at least whoever compiles his his, his wife or whatever, his, his autobiography later, the... Um, says that for the rest of his life, whenever Edward Irving was around, that he would shave, personally shave, yep. Joseph Wolf. Yeah. He probably imagine. needed it if he didn't yeah. know how. So. I'm sure, but it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, right? Because yeah. like we don't That's think really about, weird. you know, it kind of reminds me, this is totally off the wall, yeah, yeah, but if yeah. totally off the wall is okay. Like, Go for it. Alexander Campbell, who was uh, from the 19th century yeah. American yeah. Stone Campbell movement, uh, Disciples of Christ, that kind of thing. It's a great person, great name. Mm. One fun anecdote about him is he kept a fishbowl on his desk and every day, as he needed to sort of wake up, mm-hmm. he would dunk his head into the fishbowl, literally, to sort of wake <laughs> up. So there we go. We're just filled with fun facts that have no meaning or purpose Coffee, in life. Coffee, fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's see, I see it. It's yeah. water. It's all water. There you go. We're well, all Kevin, I, here, I never know what you're so. going to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just I know you like women. So. I do. I do indeed. If you don't know what that is, you, you need to listen to one of our, pre- our last episode with, with Kevin. <laughs> and remember that it was a good joke. Right? It was. It was. It, all in the best of... You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> historians, I want this for our listeners to know, historians can have fun too. 
And know, we do. And, we and, do quite a bit. Yeah, and we, and like, <laughs> we like to have fun. It's yeah. not that we have fun. We actually enjoy We actually do, fun. and we enjoy hanging out. <laughs> it's a good time. And, and, and that's part of the best yeah. of history is when we encourage each other. But anyways, tell yeah. us more about his travels. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll skip the anecdote. Oh, so, oh, oh, yeah. Tell us the anecdote. Don't well, back. okay. There's don't one, back, there, there's one more that I do right. remember, and there's probably several others I don't. But, All right. Uh, he also couldn't ride a horse, oh. and that's kind of important because you got to travel a lot on horseback typically, yeah. and so he didn't know how to do that. He never learned how to do that, and yeah. so he would have to walk, uh, mm-hmm. you know, instead of riding a horse. Wow. Yeah, whenever he's not on a boat or something yeah. else, right? So anyhow, so those are the, the fun facts. Well, he did ride an elephant. Yeah, he did. That's well, right. That's a bigger... That can, seems harder. So, like, if you can ride an think, elephant, right? <laughs> I mean, getting up on it, yeah. Yeah. But once you're up there, it's all right. Big. I guess, yeah. And they've got the probably the, yeah. the basket thing going around. Yeah, so you're probably yeah, good. yeah. All right. But um, <laughs> just just so that people yeah. know, like, I don't remember this fact right here. I, I'm I'm using some notes because I all can't right. remember all this because it's too much to remember. But I here here are some of the places he visits. Yeah. So his first trip, 1821 to 1826, right. he goes to Palestine, yeah. Egypt, mm-hmm. the Sinaitic Peninsula, mm-hmm. Mesopotamia. Persia, the Crimea, Georgia, and the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. And he's gone for five years. Yeah. That's a long time. That is. Then 1826 to 1830, he doesn't go home and stay that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a short time. He goes to England, Scotland, Ireland, Holland, Germany, the Mediterranean, Malta, the Greek islands, Egypt, Jerusalem, and Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Then uh, 1831 to 34, he's in Turkey, Persia, Turkestan, Bukhara, Balkh, Afghanistan, Kashmir, Hindustan, and the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, then 1835 to 38, he's in Gibraltar, Malta, Egypt, Mount Sinai, Jeddah, Massawa, uh, Kamazian, Tiger, Abyssinia, that's in Africa, mm-hmm. Bombay, St. Helena. Uh, in the United States, he goes to at least New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and Baltimore. Yeah. And so he's going all over the place. And then he takes another final trip mm-hmm. where he just goes to Bukhara and Constantinople, and he's going there to investigate the, the uh, deaths of, of some uh, British noblemen. Yeah. And he ends up getting captured and imprisoned and even enslaved for a brief period of time. Yeah. So he doesn't go to very, very many places. Mm-hmm. But uh, this guy is traveling more widely than just about every other person alive. I can't think of anyone that's more traveled than him in the 1930s. It'd have to be like a, a sailor, like a yeah. captain of a ship or, 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 or it's something. really crazy. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I mean, but for for the average, like way above, above the average, average person. person but yeah. I'm sure even more than like presidents of countries and yeah. like other things like that. Well, so and nothing happened to him. Like <coughs> travel. The fact that he was, survived. Yeah, yeah. yeah. travel is yeah. not yeah. easy. And, and at one of the things point. that's kind of curious is, and you read his memoirs, is all the times he has to uh, quarantine. When yeah. he comes into yeah. port, he'll have yeah. to, to quarantine again and again and again. So we, we think today that we have problems with epidemics and everything yeah. else, but but that was just a part of everyday life in the 19th century, and definitely for Joseph Wolf. That's right. Maybe he had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, All right. we can't take it down. COVID-1, two, two, maybe. <laughs> Not 19. <laughs> totally kidding. It didn't exist yet that we know of. <laughs> Anyhow, where do we go from there? Uh, travel. So travel. <laughs> you've, got, you've got this guy, yeah. and we know about this guy. But mm-hmm. why do we care about him at Carr? Yeah, Good you're, you're talking about the uh, yeah. yeah. So so we mentioned the great controversy. Mm-hmm. So obviously Ellen White's interested in him, and mm-hmm. so if you're an Adventist and if you disagree that he's interesting, 
and disagree with Ellen. No, I'm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she, and, she and we clearly admired Joseph Wolf. She had a number of his books in her library. That's right. And so this is fascinating. That does mm-hmm. show some significance, despite the the humor here. Mm-hmm. But like even William Miller, I mentioned mm-hmm. they were contemporaries. Well, well, Miller knew of Joseph Wolf and yeah. he considered him to be sort of an ally, even though we don't know if Wolf ever knew about any personal contact. Right. Yeah. And I'm, they may not have ever had personal contact, but mm-hmm. uh, or but yeah, but Adventism was part of a global <laughs> movement, even if they weren't directly right. aligned. So I'm thinking of Manuel Lacunza in South America. That's right. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, Edward Irving translates or has translated his mm-hmm. book into English. Yep. And it just show the kind of the the connections and strands of an international movement. Right. Joseph Wolf will then take that and translate Manuel Lacunza's book on the Second Advent That's into right. German. That's right. So you have you know publications that are going back and forth. And Millerites like Himes, he knows about these these Advent. <laughs> Second Advent believers, whatever you want to call them, in England. He plans to go to England, but never makes it. Right. Uh, but but he, there's at least there's some kind of correspondence. I mean, there's an awareness. Of oh, absolutely. Other, right. And we mentioned all the travels of Wolf, but mm-hmm. I should add and point out here, he's preaching on the soon coming of Christ yeah. wherever he's going. Mm-hmm. So it's not disconnected from Adventism. It is part of maybe we call it a lowercase a Adventism. Sure. It's mm-hmm. part of the broader thing that you're saying. And he comes so, to America, too. He does. Oh, he spends quite a bit of time there. I that, guess we'll get to where, that here in a few minutes. Yeah, that's so. where he's ordained as a, as a yeah. deacon and a bishop. So um, let me let me clarify priest, that. Sorry. Yeah. Then Wolf is, is contemporary to Miller, mm-hmm. not connected to Miller. Traveling right. around, yeah, traveling around preaching the second coming. Mm-hmm. Is he preaching... For the prophecies in some different way oh, yeah. to Miller? Is he they're, they're, doing math and doing the tables absolutely. and all that kind of it's, it's very, I mean, he's not as detailed in the like the table kind of thing, mm-hmm. but he is using the same basic text as Miller and coming up with the same logic, the, right? The same logic, yeah. basically the exact same conclusion. It's literally just a difference of four years. He believes the two key things are the soon return of Christ and the rough date, yeah. and then also that it's a personal, <coughs> excuse me, a personal return of Christ rather yeah. than being some sort of non-corporeal uh, being. Right. Um, and so those things are, are crucial. And so they're talking about the coming conflagration of the world. Yeah. So Good. like everything that's core to Millerism mm-hmm. uh, is there in Wolf's theology. Literal, right. visible, yes. worldwide. Right. Yeah. He's, he is the closest probably, well, him and all of the people he's connected with, like Irving and Lewis Way and others, yeah. like they all agree. And so virtually. And mm-hmm. so they are the closest to the Millerites that there is. And so please understand that though we don't have a document that we know of that shows that Wolf knew about the Millerites, I, I have, I highly suspect he did. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of correspondence between the Millerites in America and uh, those in in, in Europe. In England. Europe. <laughs> Point is, is that yeah, there was a lot of correspondence, and then of course yeah. Himes and others end up going yeah. to to England, and they after they, the disappointment after, yeah. in 1846, and yeah. they'll meet some of these guys. And so, yeah. but before the very first Millerite who would have met. Uh, Joseph Wolf could have been Henry Jones. Yeah. Henry Jones was in New York City about the time of that Joseph Wolf. Wolf was there. And one person, Leroy Sunderland, who is a, an important Methodist abolitionist, one of the most prominent, he is really enamored with yeah. Joseph Wolf and he's really cl- close friends with Henry Jones. Um, and Sunderland will become a Millerite uh, through. Wolf in part, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Henry Jones, and so yeah. he gets drawn into the movement. He becomes one of the the book dealers and sellers, and and involved in the movement and in, in the leadership there in New York City. Yeah. Um, and so those two guys are sort of the first, and that's in 1837 when Wolf mm-hmm. comes through there. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I wish I knew how <coughs> Ellen White. You know, she 
has these books in her library. Maybe you know Kevin, but at some point mm -hmm. she becomes familiar with him and, and oh, obviously yeah. is a, a great admirer of his work and, and what he does. So it would have probably been during the Millerite movement, like in the in very the early mid, on mid eighteen forties. She, yeah. she has her chapter right along yeah. uh, as part of that narrative. And the signs of the times and Midnight Cry and other Millerite mm -hmm. periodicals, they're filled with this kind of stuff. And yeah. they're they're clearly in dialogue and conversation. So yeah. When I say that we don't know that Joseph Wolf knew who William Miller was, it's only because we don't have a document that says so. Mm -hmm. I suspect he did. Hmm. Um, because Sounds like others, we need to do more work yeah. on collecting some of the documents related to Joseph Wolf. Yeah, that's right. Maybe we now have them. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads to the second part of the story. Yeah. Why? <laughs> tell us why you had that glow on your face when I ah, saw you. <laughs> yes. Well, my friends, that is because... In the summer of 2022, so ooh, a year and a half ago yeah, or so, um, I was poking around uh, online, looking at stuff from rare book dealers, and I came across a sizable collection of handwritten materials from Joseph Wolf. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. That's kind of expensive, but mm -hmm. what if? And so, <laughs> <clears throat> anyways, after consulting with some other, uh, other individuals, so that I wasn't going to drop uh, a, not an, an exorbitant amount of money, but much much more than I would ever Decent, pay for yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Much more than I would more than your average uh, purchase yeah. probably. Yeah. <clears throat> then then um, <clears throat> I got a very strong like, of course we're going to try to buy this. What are you thinking? Kind of <laughs> response. And so, anyways, I contacted the rare book dealer who happened to live in Paris, France, and we started to negotiate. And uh, he was a wonderful wonderful guy. Mm -hmm. um, he had been an ambassador. Uh, for most of his life and just got into rare book dealing just because he was in his retirement and wanted to do it kind for of fun. fun. Yeah. But, but France provided a challenge mm. because according to French law, anything in the country written by hand cannot leave the country unless the government approves it and signs off on it and lets it go. Right. And so anyhow, um, <clears throat> Well, that's we went through that process, and it took several months. It, it took several months. to. to I, I said, no. I said, uh, let's make sure we do it right. Let's mm -hmm. go through the right channels. And so he, he worked on getting that done. Uh, he took things, uh, set them aside for us. We, we actually paid for them mm -hmm. <clears throat> and everything. And he was so enamored with Wolf. Uh, the, this rare book dealer happened to be Jewish himself. And he, mm -hmm. he, he was attracted to Wolf because he found it to be so fascinating that uh, – that, that the rare book dealer did not want to mail the materials to us. And so he actually personally flew them oh my word. <laughs> to America, and I met him in Chicago what? in October. I think it was October. Don't quote me on the date. Around yeah. there. Maybe. Yeah. No, it was September. It was October. Anyways, I'm just impressed that he flew. It was September it was because October it was right 20. around the time of uh, Seminary Heritage Sabbath. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyhow, but still don't quote me on that date. It was around there, <laughs> somewhere right. in the fall. Um, and so, but anyhow, that was where the bulk of this stuff came from. Mm -hmm. But then I started to see that there happened to be a lot of other things available from other rare book dealers. And I started to say, well, hey, we have this stuff here. Let's get as much as we can to, to make it available. And so um, I, I contacted lots of rare book dealers and purchased everything on Wolf that was unique, that, that we didn't have at Carr or that, no. I mean, that you couldn't have anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and we also went through and there was a few of his publications that we bought that we didn't have. We had most of them already. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. And what it turns out, um, as we bought those things, it is a small collection as far as archival collections go, but as yeah. it turns out, what we have at the Center for Evidence Research now at Andrews University is the largest known 
collection of handwritten materials related to Joseph Wolf. This is amazing. That's so cool. So yeah. you look at every other archive out there, and mm -hmm. as best as I can tell, private collectors like you, Michael, who yeah. have several of his I have letters. Some. Yeah. Mm, it looks like I've been able to track down an account for about 150 letters mm -hmm. from other archives out there. <clears throat> Roughly, uh, in our collection now at, at CAR, we have about 150 in that collection alone. Yeah. And it totals to uh, just over a thousand pages of stuff, of handwritten material, which is far greater. Um, the, the largest archive that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure this is pretty thorough, is the British Library. They've got about 67 letters mm -hmm. of Wolf mm -hmm. um, at that one archive. <clears throat> and so this is significant. And this, this explains, I didn't realize, I was like, why has no one ever written a scholarly biography of Wolf? Because it's scattered. It's because it's the, the papers weren't available. Yeah. But now there's enough to do one. Mm -hmm. And I think that there probably are still a lot more. I know there's a mm -hmm. lot more out there. Yeah. And I suspect that maybe the stuff that the bulk of what we got came through the direct line of Wolf's descendants. Yeah. And so it was kept in the family until just uh, at the time of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then and then this rare book dealer got it and then we were able to buy it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it came through them. And, and I suspect that the family and the rare book dealer also agrees that the family, someone in the family may have more. Mm -hmm. Say, because that's usually the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what it turns out is most of the stuff that we have is not, they're not wolf holographs. Now, what does that mean, right? Yeah. That means it's not the manuscripts that he wrote with his own pen. Mm -hmm. What happened is his second wife, mm -hmm. Louisa Decima King, who marries him at the end of his, uh, end of wolf's life. Yeah. <clears throat> she went through and, and was copying all of these things down into letter and manuscript books. Right. And she was apparently working on publishing a new biography of wolf. Um, in the 1870s. Hmm. And so we have that, and it's pretty clear from the documents we have that she's copying from the originals, yeah. which may have been uh, some actual you know, diaries of some kind. I think there's probably several of those, um, as well as loose letters, manuscripts, papers, and things like that that she just had and, and, and yeah. was, was pulling together. <laughs> and so yeah. um, anyhow, it's a, it's, a, it's a very rich collection. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why my eyes were glowing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. really cool to have, right? Yeah. You're literally the premier wolf collection. Yeah. No, if anybody wants yeah. to ever research them, no. they got to come to you. Yeah, no that's collection. Cool. Yeah, and, yeah, and no matter what, even if there's a bigger one out there, we yeah. have so much that's nowhere else right. that people would always you need have to come to, come. to Andrews yeah. Yeah. to do cool. work. So, so, okay, so this rare book dealer brings this stuff. There's a whole bunch of copies, handwritten copies of key documents and mm -hmm. so on. What key documents? Yeah, tell us. Uh, tell us about sure. the actual contents. There's. Uh, I, I can't list everything. No, no, no. <coughs> Give us but some the highlights. key things. Yeah, the key yeah. things. So, what for example, most important. We have the diary of uh, Emma Voking. That's the okay. mother of Wolf's second wife. Mm -hmm. uh, it ranges from the years 1800 to 1852. That's mm -hmm. that's a unique item. Yeah, that's good. Sure. We also have uh, an original manuscript called Three Dialogues that was written by Robert Walpole. Now, Robert Walpole was uh, one of the, uh, he was a, a descendant, or an ancestor, sorry, of Wolf's first wife, um, uh, Miss Lady Georgiana uh, uh, Walpole. And he happened to be, Robert Walpole happened to be the uh, first prime minister of Great Britain. Hmm. So, very important figure in history. Yeah. Um, we also have a very rare tract that details all of the contents of, his, of Horace Walpole's estate, um, who was the father of Lady Georgiana Wolfe. Mm -hmm. um, and the Earl of Orford. Mm -hmm. um, we have an original music score by Lady Georgiana Wolfe that was prepared by her and sold to raise money for benevolent causes. Mm -hmm. And Wolfe himself, uh, as he did often, he would write notes 
and various different languages and things that added value that helped you know sell this kind of stuff and so they work together to do these kind of things and we have yeah. one of those hmm. <clears throat> and we also have uh, a pencil sketch of Joseph Wolf mm-hmm. which maybe <clears throat> we need to do further work to verify and probably need to consult some kind of specialist which is not any one of the three of us. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, it very well may be the original pencil sketch that was used to make numerous engravings because... Mm. I've seen the engravings, so... To my so, eye, it's yeah. like so close. The only thing that's really significantly different is the signature. And so mm-hmm. what it appears to be is that it may be the original pencil sketch that was used to make the engraving, and they said, well, Wolf, we don't like the way your, your last name came out in the signature, so can you just do that part again? And so they probably blended that with a new signature. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But that's only possible. I remember when you were showing it to me in person, it looked like you could actually see the stroke of the pencil. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely can. And, mm-hmm. and it, it appears to my eye to be... Uh, it's not a copy. It yeah. doesn't appear to be a copy. It, it does look that way, but like you said, there, there are we, specialists that know this much better. They, there are. Um, yeah. In addition to that, we have numerous um, loose letters, many of which are holographs that mm-hmm. Joseph Wolf wrote himself, mm-hmm. um, including uh, one that's written while he's in Bokhara that's detailing all this rich information about these guys who got killed there. Mm-hmm. He's going to investigate that. Mm-hmm. But the biggest things, the most important things, come down to three uh, three things. There are two letter manuscript books, which I mentioned briefly earlier, and we have Joseph Wolf's personal Bible that he preached from. Uh, that's cool. That's what I got Very excited cool. when I was. I love that. I got to hold that in my hand, and I yep. was like, "Oh my goodness!" That's Joseph right. Wolf's actual Bible. That's By the cool. way, it has sermon notes. Yes. Of course. I was going to say, is there marginalia in here? There's 155 pages ah. of sermon notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of them are in English, except for I think one or maybe two pages in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they are in Wolf's hand. These yeah. are this is something that he wrote himself, and so that's, that's very really rich. Cool. And in addition to that, there are places where he underlines key texts and mm-hmm. verses, right. and you can see, you get it. If someone would go through and really look at that, you could yeah. get a really good idea of oh, yeah. how well, he read his Bible, I, what what made him. I did that work the, on Bates's Bible, and you can right. you can glean so much information yeah. from what they're underlining, how they're thinking. That's right. It's, it's fascinating, including things right like for Bates's Bible, especially the sweat marks on the pages. Yes. You can see so many, like in, yeah. in, the key, in key books. Oil it, marks where he's rubbing it and looking at the pages all the that's time. That's right. There was an eyelash. Mm-hmm. I found an eyelash in between the pages at one yeah, point. And I'm we like, have, either that's mine or that's his. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're oh, just no. going to say it's It's Wolf's. probably his. It I mean, I mean uh, Bates's? Yeah, yeah. It has <laughs> to be Bates. Now we got his DNA. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <of> course. Yeah. <laughs> we actually do have a lock of Uriah Smith Derrick car. Okay. Which is... That was a thing back from then. From the Bovee collection, right? Yeah. 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 We have a lot of the original stuff from Uriah Smith. Cool. Uh, and okay, so we're talking about some of the stuff, the Bible mm-hmm. and letter books. Letter books, yeah. yeah. Okay. Very interesting stuff. And what's really significant about these is Wolf published a lot during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. He published a lot of his journals. Uh, I'm sure they were probably edited. Mm-hmm. We don't have, uh, we don't know where the original journals that he copies from are. It's the best we have. Are. It's the best we have. And then there is the one that you mentioned earlier, the two volumes that was near the end of his life, mm-hmm. uh, which is Travels not, and Adventures. Travels and Adventures. It's not an autobiography, but Wolf was alive. He's interviewed. He's involved in the process. So we, we know a lot about his life. Mm-hmm. But this material that we have, even though there's significant overlap in some mm-hmm. of the broad strokes, this material, from what I've been able to look at so far as I've probed into it, you get a lot more rich detail. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of data <clears throat> in these documents that is not in the published sources anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it is a gold mine for historians um, and very significant. And so, for example, 
there is a uh, on page four of his missionary journal and memoir, which came out in 1827. Yeah. Like he has a paragraph mm -hmm. uh, detailing about like his education and so forth uh, as a young boy. That amounts to uh, a few pages right. in the in this in this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, pages eight and nine. And there's a lot of rich detail. What do you get? You get places that are named that mm -hmm. are not in the publication. Yeah. People that are named that are yeah. not named in the publications. Nice. You have new examples, like we learn how the Jewish community supported Wolf during his uh, early years of education. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the publications is that right. there. Mm -hmm. We also have all sorts of colorful expressions from Wolf's own pen, mm -hmm. uh, like where he talks. Uh, he talks, for example, about the moral, how his moral character character began to fall. That's how it's mentioned in the publication. Well, in his manuscript, it says that Wolf he he calls himself a rather wild and inconsiderate in his manners. So it's kind of minor. But you get color that's not there in the publication. More so, detail. More detail. So yeah. it's it's really fascinating. And of course, that's I've only been able to do very minimal probing into this. Um, and so, but I expect to see many things like that, and I'm sure probably significant discoveries. I mean, one small thing. It's small and yet significant. Is none of Wolf's publications contain his birth date? Yeah. Mm. And yet, in that's this <laughs> in this unpublished manuscript that we have, his birth date is there in full with a caveat. There's a question about what year he was born in. Now, I said at the beginning of this podcast, 1795. I'm pretty sure that's the case from the sources and the digging that I've done. Um, we have the full, like, the month and the day here in this manuscript, which is only on his tombstone, never, never published. Um, but then the last digit of his birth year is written in pencil instead of pen. Yeah. And so it was copied down. The copyist, his, his second wife, had some question on that point. And so she didn't she, put it in any. Yeah, and she ended up putting 1796. Oh, um, but based upon the descriptions that are given by Wolf himself, we know from that history that it pretty much has to be 1795 because he talks about details that happened in that year that didn't happen in 1796. Okay. So pretty sure um, it's 1795. But, but even that is there, right? Yeah. But, so, you know, this is not unusual in the 19th century right. or even late 18th century when people had questions about when they were born, you know? Yeah. Most people assume we know when Ellen White was born, and we simply don't. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and she didn't even know because she's writing to her twin sister, right? That she doesn't even know. I mean, yeah. we, we're pretty darn certain it's in November, but, yeah. like, we don't even know the day or the year. Like, yeah. And so um, there is some question, and I actually, I'll be a heretic here, I think it was 1826, not 1827. Um, and that's because, me. that's because we have record of Robert Harmon buying a home, uh, or, or is it leasing? I think, it's, I think he's buying the home and property right before Ellen White would have born if it was 1826. But then he sells that property right before she would've would have been, been born if it was 1827. Yeah, so it doesn't that. make sense. That yeah. doesn't make sense yeah. to me at all. So I think she was born in 1826 <laughs> rather than 1827, but enough heresy. I mean, you know, heresy. It's not, it's history. Well, but, but I mean, this, this tells us sometimes we assume too much. Yeah. And we have to be, as historians, we're only as good as the sources that we have. And That's we right. should be honest when we don't have conclusive 100% sources and just say, you know, we... This, based on the evidence we have, we are drawing these conclusions. Absolutely, and, and it's okay to say that we don't Absolutely. know with a hundred percent certainty sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. Well, back to Wolf here. Um, yeah. You know, so one of these these letter manuscript books, they mm -hmm. were, as I mentioned, they were being put together to sort of right. write a new biography or publish a new biography of Wolf. Collating. Yeah, one of them, Wolf uh, is a copy of that Wolf 
started he started writing this himself. Yeah. And so we have is it like 150 pages of a autobiography of Wolf that he never finished. Yeah. Um, and, and it so, doesn't exist anywhere else. And it doesn't exist anywhere else. And then to go beyond that, it's mm -hmm. uh, his wife is adding uh, stuff from letters and stuff right. from his diaries and journals mm -hmm. to try to round it out. This is a much more comprehensive history. <clears throat> it is. <laughs> and so this is really cool. And there are uh, what where I think the richest data may be mm -hmm. is uh, Wolf's journey to the United States. Mm. Because Wolf actually never published uh, a book about that trip that talks about that in detail. It is there in the Travels and Adventures, the two volumes. But it's um, it's rather brief. It's rather brief. Yeah. And so, but we have uh, the second of these two books is devoted almost exclusively mm -hmm. to the United States. And so you find in there, for example, that John Quincy Adams personally purchased one of Joseph Wolf's books from him. That's now, amazing. You think John Quincy Adams? I mean, we're talking about the one of the presidents of the United States, yeah, yeah. personally, right. well, and I, found him interesting enough to want to say, "Hey, I want your he, book." He loved he loved Wolf, and he was there when he addresses mm -hmm. the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. But you also get more detail, and it is briefly mentioned in the the Travels and Adventures. Yeah, that he visits the president of the United States, which was Martin Van Buren, the current president. Right. But we get more detail about that, and we find out from these manuscripts that he was personally invited by the president to come. <laughs> and he came more than once. And so this and is kind of meal, cool. right? And ate, yeah. and ate there and yeah. preached there. Yeah. And so, uh, I at mean, the White House. At the White, in the White House to a private audience that the president personally convenes and organizes. This so, is like, so cool. It's really cool. Wow. Like, and that detail is not anywhere. Yeah. You know, and so. That seems like one you would put in somewhere. That's I would be cool. So. It is, but be on my CV. For whatever reason, Wolf was more interested about publishing about his or uh, his ordination as a priest. Yeah, which I kind of get. It was you important know, to him, and he ends yeah. up working the last three decades of his life as a yeah. as a priest in in Isle Brewers. So that's cool. Right. But like, for me at least, I'm like, I want to know more about the president. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did Adams ask you? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Great, what did what Van Buren ask? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So great part of the story. Yeah. Anyhow, so those are the, those are just some examples, and so. Mm -hmm. um, Really, what we are still waiting for at the Center for Evidence Research now, uh, you guys, is we're waiting for a, a good historian to come in there and write a, a good biography of Wolf. It's going to happen. It will happen. Mm -hmm. so, That's cool. Yep. And, and uh, hope there's it happens just so soon. many topics that are waiting for people to do research on. Yep. Every everywhere I look, I keep telling people there's no reason for competition when it comes to Adventist history because no. there's just so so much territory, virgin territory, where I, everywhere I look, I'm just like, oh, there's an archive, there's another collection of papers. Someone just donated a huge collection of papers uh, to the division, and we're passing those on to the Center for Amateurs mm -hmm, Research, mm -hmm, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, that's that's another doctoral dissertation. That's another very rich collection. Then. Yeah. Yeah, that deals with Ford controversy. Yeah, Ford controversy does Ford kind of and stuff. Glacier View and mm -hmm. stuff. But I mean, yep. just, again, <clears throat> everywhere I look, it yep. seems like every week I'm like, oh, we only had someone to, to write this biography or to to do this dissertation topic. There's yep. just a, a real richness and opportunity. So if some of That's our right. listeners are, uh, you know, you're thinking about going into to Adventist studies, you know, be thinking about topics like this. Mm -hmm. Wolf would be one, but there's actually a whole slew oh, yeah. of topics that are just waiting for people. Oh, my goodness. It, yeah. it is definitely, if I can just underscore. We could do an episode. <laughs> yeah, we could. <laughs> just on this topic. Could, not right? even an episode. You could have yeah. a podcast yeah. on all the different, giving people ideas of things they could write about. And you right. could literally do a podcast on yeah. just that. But Charles Wolf is going to say a few, but not that It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It would make five people really excited. Really excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have made me excited about six years ago. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh. 
Yeah. Well, this is such a great collection, uh, Kevin. I'm just so excited that the center has this. Mm -hmm. And by the way, those who are listening, um, if you have some rare materials, it, perhaps even a Joseph Wolf manuscript, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're like, you know what? I really think that belongs at the Center for Adventist Research as part of this Joseph Wolf collection. Yeah. Uh, they can donate that to, to help support. Yep. Uh, or maybe, I'm just putting this out there, there might be someone saying, you know what, I, I heard that kind of costs a lot of money. Um, I would love to be able to support the Center for Adventist Research to purchase maybe another collection that might become available. That would be wonderful. I mean, we did have to purchase the collection with donation money because we don't have a budget to, to, to do that, to right? Do that. I mean, right. so this helps to further Adventist study. So even if you're just like, you know, I don't have the time to go to Andrews and do this, but I would like to help encourage Adventist scholarship, this is one way they can do it. Yep. If you're interested, please let me know. Yeah, yeah. But, but especially <laughs> if you have Joseph Wolf contact. manuscripts, though, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Michael, we need to talk about your will. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you want to hang on to yours for now, but for, for now. at some point, I know a good home. I, 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 have, a, I have a few. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to put this out there because yeah. I don't want to die too soon here. Yeah. But I, we don't I, have, want you to I have identified a few items, select items that, that I anticipate should be going to the center uh but let's not hurry that process along, no no, so. no, no. <laughs> all right of course not but <laughs> anyways but, but seriously if anyone does have some you could if you wanted yeah. to for now just send us a, a copy if you're willing to do that and, and that still helps further scholarship too right Yeah, because someone could still save, save some time and mm -hmm. they may not know that michael dr campbell has some letters in his collection you know and so they may not know about them but yeah you know, well i collected them a long time ago before i knew it was uh, super cool yeah and uh <laughs> and actually and actually i'm bringing this up because you yeah. uh many years ago actually you mm -hmm. already gave some copies of the ones you had to to car we do have some but i've gotten more few. since then i'm sure you yeah. Do. yeah i i actually need to get some of those other ones copies too the other ones but uh yeah. and did a bibliography and more recently i did a more extensive bibliography uh, on the Millerites and on Joseph Wolf, so hopefully mm -hmm. it will help because, uh, and this is what's amazing, it shows you over time. Like I, I first started on Wolf back in the early 90s, so 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's amazing with digitization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a lot of the same things that I found back then. Still, obviously, they're still there, but it's amazing how much has been digitized, and yeah. even some very obscure things in libraries. Yep. And and even like the travels and adventures of Joseph Wolfe, I remember finding my own copy in England when I was traveling as a college student in, a, in an antiquarian bookstore. Uh -huh. I was so proud of that, and I I, <laughs> I I bought this, you know, and it was yep. kind of expensive, right? And you couldn't so, get it online back then. You couldn't get it online, mm -hmm. and now now and and I I read that through, and recently I reread it during. COVID, it was, yeah. I found it therapeutic to hear about all his quarantining that he had to do, you know, during COVID. Yes, so right, I, right, I, was, right, right. I was reading through his travels and adventures, and then I looked online, and, and, and I think it's even Google Books, but, but someone has digitized all of it, and here I had yeah. to spend so much money to buy this, and it's still a very treasured item in my collection, uh, two volumes. Yes. Um, but but now it's digitized. Most of the major works by Joseph Wolfe are digitized. I think all of his books, including every edition, as I went through in this research to try to figure out what we needed to have at Carr, and I believe yeah. every edition I have a copy of digitally now. Hmm. Digitally, yeah. Cause, yes, but uh, I think, but, but it's a, a lot of his pamphlets, yeah. a, most of his pamphlets and things like that. Yeah, there's, there's not, too many. There's well, not, like yeah. Trap, not the, the Mission to Bakara <laughs> has like 47 editions. So there's I mean, a lot. There's, um, there's a, there is a lot. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. What I mean is the major, like the first edition of the... Major printing. Yeah, because yeah. 
it, yeah, not every printing edition, but like they came out with like a, a second edition, like an okay. official edition. I got you. I got you. That's what I meant. Were yeah. they were there significant not every, changes? Not every okay. printing. Is, no, 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 no. Because there's no, a no. lot. I mean, oh, Joseph right. Wolf was right, going, right. and he was a publishing extra, you know, yep. extravaganza. I mean, he just he knew how yep. to promote his yep. books, <laughs> and and used them as you mentioned, uh, yep. Kevin, to help raise money. He goes to Isles Brewers and, and yep, yep, is yep. helping to raise money for the for the mission and the, the the school and the church there. So, which I had been told, and I think Michael, you maybe can speak to this. Is I I won't say what I think in my head, but his a lot. You can see wolf sites there today. Yeah, and, I've actually gone. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. I just didn't um, want to you say can the wrong go thing and see his. Um, <laughs> Well, my, my wife and I, we went there on our honeymoon. If anyone's listening and you're kind of feeling sorry for my wife, we went and saw some literary sites as well. So it was, <laughs> we got some church history, some literary sites. They are still happily married. We're still happily married after, uh, what, 20, 22 years now. Yeah. Still poking around the graveyard. And she is a historian too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so it, it worked, works for them. It, it worked it worked for us. So, uh, and, and But we made a stop in, yeah. in Isles Brewers, and, and we stopped at the home. And we found out about the home because we stopped by the church first, and there's mm -hmm. a graveyard mm -hmm. where you saw where he's buried, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that you can see the church, and the home is nearby. So someone pointed us yep. to the home, mm -hmm. and so we were uh, able to. They were very gracious and let us take a picture of the house from the outside. Yep. So, uh, so there are some some historic sites, yep. um, and also where the Albury Park Conference happened. Um, although that has, I don't know if it's quite the same anymore because they've now sure. taken the estate and remodeled them into townhomes. It's not quite the same, yeah. and and I'm not sure if you can quite see what used to be there. But at least in Isles Brewers, there's some cool stuff. Anyways, yeah. that's a little tangent. Yep. But uh, there are Adventist historic sites all around the world. Right? They are everywhere, and I find them. I will wake up to random text messages of people's random tombstones on my phone just because of you guys. And send, it's an amazing and, thing. And send I, the tombstones to the Center for Adventist Research too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tombstone itself. No, no, well. don't rob any graveyards, right? <laughs> I was about to say. I'm yeah. just kidding. No, we'll take the photographs and we can archive. Them. There we go. All right, all right. Just, just make sure there's some boundaries here and what to send to the Center for Adventist Research. Yeah. But I mean, oddly enough, I mean, there are there are old tombstones like they get replaced and yeah. so if if those are around in someone's private collection that needs to be preserved somewhere and maybe mm -hmm. maybe that's car but maybe it could be the Avenue one of the Adventist historic village sites or I mean there's a number of archives there. across the division. yeah so I mean we could we could yeah. find the best home for it if someone had one of those let us you know because we're here to help right that's right yeah. that's right so that's right. We, uh, work to, we, we work together we work and and that's <clears> the, the beauty in, of, of collaboration but but there are uh, some significant Joseph Wolf sites in mm -hmm. England, and that's pretty cool. So if you happen to be going over there, yeah. um, it's worth taking a moment to, to stop if you have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. South, it's way in the South England. So yeah. yeah. Well, cool. We've covered a lot of terrain here. This is a, a great collection, Kevin. I'm just so excited you're able to to share with us. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No. Besides making a donation to car. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I needed to say yeah. something smart or, or funny or brilliant or whatever, and nothing's coming. I'm yeah. tired. You're on. Is well, that okay? We've had, we've had a busy yeah. day here at these church history meetings, and you know, my heart is full because yeah. I've been just learning all day and getting to meet new people and see old friends. Well, it's close to and midnight our time. It I is. Mean, uh, not for Greg, but for you and I, Michael. Yeah, so it I'm, is. We're, so. we're kind of struggling to stay awake over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Believe yeah, it well. or not. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. Hey, well, we've had a great time. So, yep. uh, Kevin, thanks for joining us. And, and uh, you've been listening to the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast. 
Uh, we thank you for listening as we explore and discover uh, new discoveries. In this case, a great collection of material from our Adventist past. Until next month, uh, join us again at Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And Jesus himself said that he did not come to do away with the law. He does not take us out of this world if he does not want us to be contaminated.